I welcome you to another episode of Restored Life Podcast with Stanley. Here we learn how to grow our knowledge of God's Word and to rest in His goodness. On this platform, we will share how you can act on the Word of God, walk in your inheritance, and enjoy all God has made available to you in Christ Jesus. In today's episode, I'll continue with the question and the answers regarding the Lord's table, the Lord's Supper. And um, this is part three. The first question to con- that we'll be um, responding to today is on the acceptability of sharing the communion outside the church building. For you know, some have wondered if the Lord's Supper can be observed in a non-church gathering with Christian friends or in other locations outside the church building. But to start with, the early church met frequently for the apostles' teaching, prayer, and the breaking of bread as we find in Acts chapter 2 verse 42. And many of such fellowships were in the homes of the believers in these communities. For instance, according to 1 Corinthians 16 verse 19, the Ephesian church met in the home of a Jewish couple named Aquila and Priscilla, who were professional tent makers. Philemon and his family lived in Colossae, and the Colossian believers met for fellowship at his home, as we find in Philemon verse 2. Also, there was a a fellowship meeting in the home of Mary, the mother of John Mark, in Jerusalem, as we find in the accounts of Acts of Apostles, chapter 12, verse 12. You know, the church is not a building, but the people who meet in that building. It's a community of true believers in Christ who are committed to regular fellowship. Also, the church is not in the number. Once believers meet in the name of the Lord, regardless their number, that's the church. Jesus, the head of the church himself, said in Matthew chapter 18, verse 20, that any gathering in his name of at least two or three people will be blessed with his presence. Jesus wasn't specific about the location of this gathering as long as it is in his name. And you know, preachers and missionaries on the field have served communion to believers where no churches have yet been established. So the main point is not about the location, but the remembrance of the body and the blood of Christ. Therefore, I am convinced that there is no biblical justification for why the communion event cannot be observed with family at home, in private, or in you know, or with believing friends meeting in a location outside the church building. In other words, I'm saying that a communion can be observed in schools, in prisons, in hospitals, in you know, nursing homes, at work, in the car, on the plane, in the train, on the ship. You know, once the gathering is in His name, you can be sure of the Lord's presence as you share the communion. The communion is a power meal, and the power in that meal is not limited by any physical location. So, share the communion today, wherever you are, and the power in the flesh and the blood of Jesus Christ will work to your advantage wherever you meet. Hallelujah. The next question is about dressing for the communion. People have asked whether any particular dress code is permitted for the communion. And in answering, I would say that no particular dress code was mentioned in the Bible to be worn specifically for the Lord's Supper. However, the scripture directs us thus, But all things must be done properly and in an orderly manner. 1 Corinthians chapter 14 verse 40 You know, different churches recommend or impose sundry dress codes to be worn for the Lord's Supper event. There are rules about wearing lipsticks, for instance. And I believe these church's leaders have sincere motives of inculcating you know, discipline and modesty in the minds of members. However, 
there is a risk of losing the whole essence of this precious meal because much importance or emphasis is placed on the physical dress of the people approaching for the holy you know for the holy communion event many who show up on an immaculate white dress for for the communion event may not have been purged of their sins after all so you know that becomes an image of the biblical painted sepulcher that being said you know we are aware that the holy communion is not a normal meal where the focus or the emphasis is on the meal the holy communion is a power meal and the focus is on the lord jesus himself and him alone again our lord jesus is the host of this meal it is therefore important to show respect to him in all things and also in the way we dress after all we dress appropriately for occasions that we attend if we were invited to dine with the city mayor, the state governor or the president, wouldn't you dress in a way that portrays you in good light and shows respect to your host? Right. So, here the communion event is an invite to dine with the king of kings. Shouldn't we dress appropriately in a way that honors the Lord? And you know, no ostentatious dressing is also, is encouraged either. Because in Philippians chapter 4 verse 5, the Bible says, "Let your moderation be known unto all men, the Lord is at hand." So care must be taken to dress in a way that does not distract other worshipers thereby taking their attention off the Lord. It is equally highly recommended that no scruffy dresses are worn for the, you know for the communion service except if circumstances beyond one's control leave one with no choice other than to wear such dress for the communion. Amen. The next question is is it right to use grape juice or other drinks for the communion? service instead of the red wine because there is a debate in many quarters about the rightness of using red wine, grape juice or other drinks for the Lord's supper. You know, and as many other faith related debates, this has been very divisive as opponents of each view hold strongly to their position. But first, we mustn't lose sight of the essence of the communion meal. The cup and whatever is in it, whether red wine, grape juice or any other kind of drink represents the shed blood of Jesus. It is unequivocal that the wine was consumed in the Old Testament times, and there are many biblical references to support this. Wine was a customary drink used by the Jews at Passover. Also, Jesus's first biblical recorded um, miracle was that of changing water into wine. And at the last supper, he drank wine and gave some to his disciples. So it is obvious that the Corinthian church also used wine for the communion as Paul's rebuke of their conduct revealed. Some of the believers there did not discern that it was the Lord's body and the blood, and so a number of them actually got drunk on the communion wine. You know substance abuse is as old as man. The scripture warns against drunkenness as we see in Ephesians chapter 5 verse 18. In fact, Proverbs chapter 23 29 to 32 paints a sorry picture of the dangers of much consumption of red wine. It says, "Who has woe? Who has sorrow? Who has strife? Who has complaints? Who has needless bruises? Who has bloodshot eyes? Those who linger over wine, who go to sample bowls of mixed wine." It says, "Do not gaze at wine when it is red, when it sparkles in the cup, when it goes down smoothly." in the end it bites like a snake and poisons like a viper you know there are some congregants who have struggled or who are struggling with abuse of alcohol what should be done to help these people romans 14 verse 21 states it is good not to eat meat 
or drink wine or do anything that causes your brother to stumble. Therefore, to you know, to keep such people from stumbling, it might be safe to use grape juice instead of red wine for the communion. This is not a rule, I must say, but I think it's a helpful suggestion. Another point of consideration is the prohibition of alcohol consumption for children and young people under certain age in many countries. In regard to this, wouldn't it amount to hurting children's health and violating the laws of the land if red wine was used instead of grape juice? That's why some congregants would rather, or rather some congregations would rather serve bread to all and wine to adults only. But you know, the communion is only complete with the bread and wine together. These said, it is important to note that the Bible does not give any explicit instruction about the fermentation level of the contents of the cup at the Lord's Supper. However, the use of red wine might pose a cultural problem in certain environments, thereby undermining the real essence of the celebration. Therefore, I believe that God can be honored through either the use of red wine or grape juice or any other kind of drink. The consent shouldn't be the type of drink, you know, but rather the remembrance of Christ through the ordinance of the Holy Communion. And in view of the available biblical information and cultural impact of the choice of drink, I would recommend that each church leaders and, you know, you know must cautiously, and I repeat the word cautiously, consider what best works for them and what will build the church on the body of Christ. Hallelujah. Um, in the next episode, I would continue with more questions regarding why we sing hymns during the Holy Communion service and why we use multiple cups instead of sipping from the same cup and other questions to be considered. Until I meet you in the next episode, stay blessed. Amen.